Welcome to Legends of Greyskull, the podcast that dives deep into the mythology of Masters of the Universe, with your hosts, Matthew Dooch and Sean Scavana. News, reviews, remasterings, and more are just ahead on Legends of Greyskull. Welcome to episode 92 of Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, Shooter, Eternia, Theria, Norder, Primus, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Ladybird, UK Annuals, Comics, Mini Comics, anything and everything you can think of with that He-Man, Shooter, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, that Mattel logo down in the corner. Once again, I'm Matthew Dooch, back on my home turf. And I'm here again with Sean Scavarner. Sean, how are we doing today? I'm back in the home turf, too. Um, <laughs> but you, you've you been away a lot longer. I've been in my basement for like a week or two. It's really weird to be down here with all the toys right now nice. at this hour of the night. It used to be like, oh, I'd come down here and I'd just like, you know, putter around. This is, I, I'm not, I'm not the dad that builds stuff or, you know, works in the shop. I'm the guy yeah. that comes down here and goes, what pose could I put this in tonight? You know, right. and, it's just like, man, I haven't done that in forever. I, I miss it. But anyway, <laughs> no, <laughs> too but busy. You've been doing some other stuff, getting those creative juices flowing. Yeah, so. yeah. So, <laughs> do we? Do you, we want to get into that now? That's why. Why not? It just seems like a perfect yeah, segue. Sure. Almost Good like we know segue. what we're doing here. Ooh, so, yeah, what have yeah. you been up to? So. So, uh, it, it hasn't been officially announced, so it's not something that I'm going to give details well, for just, at the moment. Just what you're doing. Yeah. Not and, whatever and what I, super shady secret project <laughs> that may or may yeah. not be coming that everybody was asked to be a part of except for one certain person. But, you know. That, yeah, yeah. Um, I know, I know. But that's, so, that's just conjecture on my <laughs> point. <laughs> Well, I did tell you, why don't you just submit something and see what happens, that, but you didn't do it. So, I, um, who, who so says you I, have I been haven't. quite a busy guy. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I hope you did, actually. I hope you did. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it, basically over the last what, week or so, I have been doing posts, and today I did a post in our Facebook group yeah. to unveil a uh, contribution piece I did for a potential... Um, trading card, like an art card series that fans within the Masters of the Universe community have been asked by a certain listener of our podcast, actually. Um, and I'll get into the details of that when it's actually official and things are going, like Matt was saying. But for the time being, there is a Skeletor using his spellcasting powers to pl- make another plan on how to get into Castle Grayskull that you'll probably see either on my page, uh, our page, and I also posted it in Lucky Legends because uh, Aaron Johnson over there was like, hey, don't forget to post it over in here. Sure, Lucky no Legends, I saw it on uh, Instagram, October Sun. Instagram, October uh, Sun, yes. So uh, David yeah, Clark it's out with there. his adultcollector.org network, he That's picked right. it up. So That's right, yeah. It's, and It's making the rounds. It, it, it is making the rounds, and there's people that I don't even know that are sharing it that I'm noticing, and I'm yep. like, hey, all right. I'm, I don't know that person, but I'm really appreciating that they shared it, so thank you to anyone who shared it that I don't know. And, um, yeah, I, it, honestly, this was this was one of those put-up-and-shut-up moments for me because 
I have been dabbling in Procreate uh, on the iPad since Christmas. Right. And it just, like, in the last month, it just started clicking what I needed to do to make this stuff work better. And I'm not going to say the program is hard. There is a tiny learning curve if you worked in Photoshop to this. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, now i got to do more. So there is going to be... For you, I uh, you know I don't want to talk for you, but it seems like all of your artwork that I've seen has primarily been physical media up until then. Yeah. Like you're you're really the pen and paper, colored pencil and paper type of guy, you know. So this has to be like a big shift for you personally. No, and, and that was the weird thing is I I was doing digital in Photoshop. In like uh, 2009, okay. 2010, 2011, 12, uh, up until my daughter was born. Gotcha. And I was enjoying the heck out of that. That was something that was so second nature I could crank stuff out within a, within a good amount of time. But when it came to like uh, I went into a lot of the master's groups on Facebook back yep. in 2016 after my son was born. Yeah. And um, I didn't, the the tablet I was using at the time, I couldn't use it anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, either the, the software was outdated or there was something up with that where I, I it just, it wasn't gotcha. working. I didn't have the money to get a new tablet. So I was just doing pencil and paper. Yeah, and, that's all the stuff and I ink and all that. Yeah. Exactly. The commissions exactly. and everything. Yeah. And, and I've made a name for myself with that through the groups. And there are people like that who have had a, pieces that I've worked on in their homes, which that's always amazing to think, you know, something I created is in somebody's home and they are happy that they got it from me. But I'm at the point, too, where it's just, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, where I want to put the colors in and it doesn't have all the the right. uh, pencil work showing. I want it to look like something you'd see if, you know, you saw it as a print, yeah. you know, and so this was a huge step in the right direction for my yeah. mental and creative uh, thinking in the last couple of weeks. So I did reach out and I, I thanked, uh, I'll say, I, I'll th- I the one that asked me to contribute. And, oh, you know, I'm just like, this really... Bleep that out. That's yeah, so- well... Uh, I, I, right, guys. I, I reached out. Sorry, this episode would have come out a day earlier, but Sean has now forced me to I edit. ruined it all. So, I yeah, it's it going to take a bit longer. My apologies to all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I did reach out to him, and I just said, look, you know, I, I appreciate even being thought of, and then the fact that I could tie that into learning this and doing a put-up-and-shut-up moment. It was awesome. Yeah, it looks, so, it looks um, great. It's very much... Very much your artwork, but very, um, I mean, this is no disrespect, just it's very, very clean, very professional, like, it's, uh, your style still comes through, but it's definitely got a different feel, obviously, than the pencil, pen Mm -hmm. and paper stuff does. Um, Sure. The skelly that you chose to do kind of took me a little off guard, because you generally tend to go into more of an Alcala sloppy, skullish, skeletor, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you're definitely more the vintage card back type of stuff. Yeah. 
And this Skelly that you did uh, looks amazing. He's all, he almost actually reminds me of the Bruce Tim run on the mini comics. Like that, it's still very muscular, very you know super powered, but very very clean. So well, I love uh, it. I, that was I actually was trying to channel some Alcala in there, right? Uh, but then. The other night I was working on it and I was doing the fins on the arms, for instance. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. Alcala never did that. I went back and was looking through the make. I'm like, no. Alcala did it where he just has the human arms. It's like filmation. Yeah. And, and I was like, ooh, I, I'm, I'm getting my toy and my Alcala mixed up right. and all this stuff. So I, yeah, the, the skull is a little more refined than like, there's, there's a little more of like a fiendish, like, yeah. It's a great pers- uh, expression on it. Yes. Well, well, like when Al- Alcala would do it, there was more of like a ghoulish skull. This is just more like a traditional skull with the you see the glowing red right. eyes in there. But it's it's like my nod. At, you know, I still feel there's there's a bit of Alcala in there that it doesn't feel like it's meant to be anybody else's. Although the the pose is an homage to Mark Texera. Uh, the 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 mini comic that he did where it introduced Ram Man. Yeah. The first page when you open it, there's a shot of Skeletor going like this, conjuring, getting to see He Man meeting Ram Man, and Beast Man's there watching the conjuring of that moment. And I, I was like, I always liked how his hands were. It's like a Bella Lugosi thing. So right, right. I I tried to put that into it and. Yeah, I'm really happy. I've had people already come to me going, 11 by 17, how much, how much do you want for it? I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> because, because it's actually a two by three and I need to make a, a, I need to revise it to make it into a proper print. I did it that size just to get it done because yep. of my uh, deadline. So there will be stuff coming out later on because of this. Um, and I actually do, yeah. Stay tuned. I wanna, I wanna do another one for uh, the the um, for the project as well. And there, I did the poll on our Facebook group, and yes. uh, it was Skeletor was Cyclone. number one. Well, it, for Cyclone, yours, it was Cyclone, and then <laughs> Cyclone, oh. and then Cyclone. <laughs> No, it, first place was Skeletor. Second place was Trapjaw. So I I have another project I'm trying to finish first, but I might jump into a Trapjaw piece. You might be seeing some elements of that showing up probably in the next couple weeks as well. So keep a lookout. If you like the Skeletor, Trapjaw will be out there eventually too. And uh, I did want to say right quick here, if you want to hear more of our thoughts on the legendary comic He-Man meets Ram Man, uh, check out Legends oh, yeah. of Grayskull episode 12 and a half. That was mm-hmm. way back when we were still doing half episode, when we were cranking out yeah. two episodes a week. We um, were nuts. We were <laughs> nuts. And that one, that, that mini comic always made me feel horrible because we even discussed it on the episode with, you know, Skeletor's just freaking making him keep hitting the, the yeah. drawbridge of Castle Grayskull. And he's like, please stop, Skeletor. And Skeletor's like, screw you. Keep hitting this. And you and I were both like, oh, my God, that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah especially, not to redo the whole episode, but especially for me, yeah. I've never really 
Like, that was the era of mini-comics that I really didn't have much sure. uh, uh, knowledge of. So it was like, reading that, even as an adult, it's like, dude, like, he's gonna, like, I think I even said in there, guys go back and listen, tell me, but like, basically he's gonna make him hit it until he's dead, and then he's gonna make his yep. corpse keep hitting it. Yes, until, exactly. Until the drawbridge is down. So yep. I, hey, if Ugh. you wanted a great example of Skeletor was the bad guy all along, yeah, you don't need anything better than that to show you. Maybe Rain Man wasn't yep. the smartest to yep. think Skeletor was the good guy in that case. And so. that was outside of the first four mini comics. Yes, stick that yeah. in your pipe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I honestly, I love the art in the first four mini comics, yeah. but I completely get still to this day. It's like, yeah, the stories are, are just like, what the hell just happened? I don't right. know. It looks good. Let's just keep reading. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying there's bad <laughs> things, but like, even though you've got the contingent that just, well, first four mini comics, four, first four, first four, and it's like, guys, there's a whole lot more than the first four. I mean, even, like you said, even going to the Texera comics, it, oh, you yeah. know, it continues pretty mm-hmm. much that same feeling whilst introducing new characters and elements that are integral to the success of the property. But Absolutely. Yeah. We could go down a rabbit hole on that. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, I'll, I'll say, if you guys like comic talk also stay tuned so yeah um i don't know how much i have not been as in the loop on that discussion so i don't know if we should even say anything yet but uh, well uh we get when we get to that point we will get give the basics there's good stuff coming guys don't worry Mm -hmm. uh speaking of comics on the latest mo tuesday uh, it yeah. was announced that Dark Horse will be bringing out a new comic series following the adventures on New Eternia. Yeah. So that was, that was, I want to say it was out of the blue, but I also like, at the same time, it was kind of like, oh yeah. Like it just, it felt like, I think we even speculated on here back when they first showed the New Eternia figures at PowerCon two mm-hmm. years ago when it was still He-Man related, you know, yep. they said like, hey, watch out for more to come, and we were pretty much like, oh, it's probably going to be comics, you know, because that mm-hmm. just it's the easy medium to get out there, you know, it doesn't take as many strings and contracts as a TV show does. Um, yeah. But we're treated to a, I think it's four pages uh, of the of the comic, so we see mm-hmm. the Battle Armor He-Man you know that we from the Massiverse line, we've seen Battle Armor He-Man, Skeletor, uh, the Barbarian He-Man, and Zodak. Right? Those are the all the figures that J- uh, Jitsu's part of that too. Isn't Jits- he? That's right, Jitsu yeah. and oh, and Beastman. I there. think they show and Beastman. Yeah, um, along with some new characters that we've not seen in toy form yet. Uh, Sean, what do you think seeing those those pages? I I I gotta admit, like I'm the most excited to see just what they're doing with it more than anything. Like I, I think the page they showed that had me the most from an art standpoint had me the most like, ooh, was there's the Zodak with sorceress yeah. pages because I really like just the line work in that artwork. 
Um, and it feels completely different from the other yeah. pages we saw. Absolutely. It, I, I, my, my question, and, and uh, when I did the post in our group, I... I was curious, is it going to be an anthology series? That's It has that vibe, having the different artists. It just made me think that. And I, I know Van Davis, uh, he was commenting, and he said that it reminds him of, like, Heavy Metal Magazine or, I like, European comics. Especially the, and, the, the Barbarian, the New Eternia stuff. Yeah. The the Viking He-Man, there's, there's a panel in particular where I, something dramatic happens and the way that his face looks, his eyes go white and he gets really small with his eyes and he looks like, yeah. kinda like that. And I'm like, that doesn't feel, that one just struck me as weird, but then there's other moments in the same artist's, uh, pages that were revealed. I'm like, that works, that works. Why did he do that? You know, it just, it, it it doesn't quite mash up to me, but at the same time, yeah, there is this European comics feel, and it, I'm curious. I, and on top of that, with us being who we are, any new stories usually are something that is exciting to us, and it's not tied into anything else other than Masters. This is, like, other than well, Revelation, it's the first time they've actually been like... You know what? Well, let's just tell a story with the characters that people love, and let's not have to bring Superman or the Ninja Turtles or oh, the Cats into this. You know. And here's here's the thing, right? Because, like you said, the the Sorcerer's Zodiac page, I would say, looks very much like like Eternity War, like kind of that tradi- uh, even you know Masters of the Multiverse, like kind of that more normal at this point Masters comic. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and read some blurbs from this page. Uh, Sorceress talking to Zodak. Sorceress says, As He-Man, he may possess the wisdom of the ages, but inside he is still a teenage boy, and resisting is what they do, Zodak. Uh, Zodak replies, Perhaps, but my duty as Cosmic Enforcer compels me to investigate each new shift in the balance of the universe thoroughly and without bias. They talk. A sorceress conjures up a, a portal, and Zodak says, "The nexus of all realities. You mean to show me alternate alternate universes to convince me the boy deserves the power?" So, mm. yeah. So I'm thinking that's like kind of like our intro. So it sounds like this is going to be set where in the main continuity, the six one six, if you will. Yeah, Adam's yeah. about to get the power. Maybe this is even set at the point, kind of. Barroom from 2000X where he's like no I don't want it and Zodak mm-hmm. shows up like yeah Tila nah, like maybe this dude like maybe we should just cut mm-hmm. our losses and so like this is her show well here's here's alternate universes maybe where Adam got the power where he man you know what I mean like mm-hmm. but what I love about and then that leads us into like and so then we get the new Eternia issue and you know who knows what else we could get um, mm-hmm. throughout there, but I would love a little, just an anthology series just tied to like, I've been saying it for years, here's a He-Man story. It doesn't have to be end of the universe, end of all magic, end of all reality, like, 
Just like, here's Barbarian He-Man versus Viking Skeletor. And then here's mm-hmm. Battle Armor He-Man versus Jitsu with Man-at-Arms helping. Like, and mm-hmm. just have a story. Um, and even yeah. better if we can jump from universe to universe and just be like, you know, we're not worried about an overarching story. We're not worried about anything like that. It's just like, yeah, let's pull up a chair and we're going into here for, you know, an issue or two. Then we can go mm-hmm. over here and just have some fun with the property. Well, that's uh, like the CGI show. Uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about that stuff. Uh, you know, spoilers for the episode, but right. the CGI show won me over for that reason. And, yeah. you know, like I want that in any new master stuff that we're getting because I, I, I know how many fans always love how the filmation mythology was. And that's usually, I'd say, you know, 75%, and that's just a random number thrown out there. 75% of the the fans who love He-Man probably were exposed to that more than they were like me, where I got exposed to the mini comics and and golden books, and then boom, Mm -hmm. the cartoon hit and everything. But there, there is that part of me where I'm like, there, there gets to be a point when you talk about Batman, Superman, right. Spider-Man, where you just, it's chapter and verse after a while. So I'm, I'm more of like a, if you tell me a new way to tell that story where I don't know all the answers, I'm gonna actually be more, a little more invested now because I know that version yep. that I knew is always there. Right. What can you do with this that is gonna make it a little different and appeal to like a new storyline that I can't guess, like the CGI show is doing. So I'm kind of hoping that's what this comic series will do. I'm hoping. Um, but it is kind of nice that, you know, we have these new figures that are debuting. There's a lot of people in different groups that I've seen where, oh, they're on, they're showing them off and all that stuff. And, you know, for me, I'm looking at those going, if it, like as a kid, those would have still appealed to me. I would have eaten those up just as much as the, you know, He-Man and all that stuff on the shelf, too. So I'm excited just that this isn't just a one-off thing that Mattel's doing. They're, they seem to want to invest in this concept as well, and it's not just going to be like a Vicor figure in the Classics line right. or whatever. And so in that way, I'm like, okay, Mattel's surprising me with some of these things they're doing. I wasn't expecting the thought that they're putting into it to be this way. And that's good. So, nope, I agree. There was a. I think it was the new Batman Adventures, the the animated series after Batman the animated series, where they had an episode, uh, Legends of the Dark Knight, where it was like these kids in Gotham City. I don't think they were around a campfire. Maybe they were in an abandoned building or something. But, like, they were just telling these different stories. Um, and it was just, I mean, a half-hour episode, so, like, each story was, like, five minutes. But, like, one of the kids is telling how, yeah, his uncle worked security at this, like, uh, music factory. And the Joker broke in one night. And it had, like, classic, <laughs> yeah, like, classic 60s, yeah. you know, Adam bright West, blue yeah. Batman fighting Joker on, mm-hmm. like, a giant piano. You know, and then no sure. kids talking about no Batman's like. I think they, I think they even went to like Dark Knight Returns where he's like in the armored vehicle fighting the mutants like that. That's like how he heard Batman. And I don't remember what the third one was, 
But, like, that's kind of what I'm hoping for with this series. And, like, I love that episode of Batman as a kid. Like, it's just fun. It's like, a, it's like those little nods to all these different generations. But then, mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like... But, honestly, like, the way they present it is like, well, these are the stories these kids are hearing as they're growing up. It's like, that makes perfect sense, too. Absolutely. So, that's what I'm hoping for from this. It's like... Sorcerer showing Zodak these little snippets that could be or have been or might be, like, and mm-hmm. you can just jump into them and just have fun, enjoy the nods, and then jump to another one. And they're all He Man, and yet none of them are. You know, it's yeah, it's a, it's, it's a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, it, people like me who grew up with the mini comics first, and I, I know Nate Barch would be another one, not to, to name sure. drop, because I know how much he's into the Barbarian version. Uh, as well, uh, when I talk to him and it's like, you know, there is that missing contingent of marketing out there for me where I'm like, if you give me a comic that is a barbarian post-apocalyptic attorney and you're going to tell me that story and it's not going to be yeah. as iffy as the story actually was in the, in the first four mini comics. And you can find somebody who has that flair of Alcala to tell those stories as well visually. Yeah. Take my money. Like I will I, I that's still one of those avenues that I feel like we only just very, very, very recently touched on it and they didn't touch on it nearly enough for my taste, but it was still there in the multiverse comic at least. And uh once we read that I'm like God, I actually really want them to do something with this one of these days, right? And that's so. but without without the end of the universeness that we well, always exactly. seem to need to shove down our throats. Like, yes, it's masters exactly. of the universe, but that doesn't mean everything has to be that. You mm-hmm. know, everything's apocalypse now. Like, no, it shouldn't. It, it shouldn't be, in my opinion. I mean, it, it was bad enough. Skeletor won at the beginning of the movie. Can we leave it at that? You know? right. <laughs> uh, but even that, nah, well, we'll get there. We'll get yeah, there. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> All right. So we got some CGI season three, the final of the initial order. So, mm-hmm. uh, so. Real quick here, just going in. Obviously, I think we both love the first two seasons. Um, some parts more me, some parts more you. But no, <laughs> overall, I think we we're intrigued where this was going, especially with them leaving ending season two with the literal death of Skeletor, grass yeah. turning evil, like. That's some big stuff, and we're like, wait, this is only the end of part two? Like, yeah. So, I know I had high expectations going into this one, um, and also worrying about if they were going to have enough time to give everything a satisfying end. Mm-hmm. How about you? How are you feeling going into season three? I, I was right there with you. I, I was worried that I, I mean, for me, the, the episode that really, it, for me, it ground season two down to a halt was the one about, uh, Gary the, the dragonfly or whatever yeah. the, it, it, and, and, and it's like, you know, again, 
this guitar made more sense in that episode to me <laughs> than that, but whatever. We're we're just gonna move on from there. We've but done that. go check out yes, our we've been there, done that. Two. Go check it out. Yeah, but <laughs> but um I was just worried there was gonna be something like that because I felt like there was some momentum lost in the middle of last season compared to season one fired a lot on all cylinders that yeah. really had me I mean, if that season didn't work, season two I wasn't going to be excited for. Season three, I'm like, just the fact that the first episodes, the, I think it's called The Haunting of Castle Grayskull, yep. if I remember. I was like, oh, like this, <laughs> this already sounds pretty sweet. And then once you get to the end of the season, you're just there going like, they're doing stuff in this season that, to me, it's like showing up what Revelation did. And it did it better. But that's just me. I, I could be wrong. But yeah, I, going into the season, I was just like, I can't wait for more yeah. because I really enjoy this series. Well, and don't forget, they also at the last second introduced the Snake Men, which were kind of the MacGuffin that's right, of the yeah. whole second season with Skeletor trying to to find a way to bring the Snake Men and the Undead Army and, you know, that, that general trope that we have come to know and I love mm-hmm. the Snake Men. Sean despises them. So uh, let's let's talk about the Snake Men first because they popped up at the end of season two, like the last thirty seconds of the episode. Um, yep. So I know you had to have some trepidation oh, going yeah. into these episodes. Absolutely. How did the Snake Men <laughs> perform, in your opinion? The Snake Men were basically like video game cannon fodder. I and I loved awesome, it. Wasn't it? <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I love the fact that there were like, okay, there's like the foot soldier versions of them, yep. but then they have the the ones that who uh, they called them what were they, lashers or whatever, lashers and rattlers. Rattlers. I can't and, say I ever really figured out which was which as they were referring to them because they were both usually on the screen at the same time. But I thought the lashers were the ones who were shooting the venom, but maybe I'm wrong there. I guess but, that makes sense because he had the tongue. Like, yeah, it was one of those nice nods where it's like, okay, but, I see what you're naming them after. Yeah, but neither of them were really like tongue lasher or rat lord. Like, yeah, not even but, close. So, but it it did remind me of video game. Oh yeah, uh, like like the foot soldiers in the Ninja Turtle arcade yep. game when we were kids. There'd be like the different colored ones to yep. denote. Okay, the white ones are going to have the katana blades. The right. the yellow ones are going to piss you off because they got the boomerangs that are going to get you across the screen and all. Sad. And I like how when when He Man even names them at the one point, it's just like, yeah, that guy's going to shoot venom at you. The other one's going to be the heavy. And the, you just watch yeah. the way that he deals with. It. I'm like, oh my god! But it made it endearing, and it didn't make it feel like a video game, but it kept them at a level that I was completely fine with versus yep. if they would have been front and center this is their season like in 2000X that's where I would have been like why did you do it again to me <laughs> like that I hated it la- that last time right and I'm so glad this time around it was just Skeletor just needed them as thugs basically to keep them busy yeah and so, that's, that's okay. exactly what they were they didn't take any sort of you know like I said, they never even got into the whole like generals, the the actual tongue lasher, rat lower squeeze snake yeah. guys. Like even King Hiss, like Skeletor brought back the snake men, 
but King Hiss never came back. You know what I mean? So that yeah. kind of kept them just as as the the infantry. So that was I, that was an interesting yeah. choice. I was I was so happy with that because that is actually the way that I prefer them. But that's just me. I, I've never everybody's heard it if you've listened to the show previously. I, yes, I've never have. been a big Snake Man guy. This is the way that I prefer them being in Masters over being a faction that that is like between Hordak, Skeletor, Snake Man. It's like God, He Man needs a faction. What the hell, like? Or he might be the most powerful man in the universe, but three factions going up against him is a little rough, in my opinion. So. True, true. <laughs> ah, so what were what were some highlights of this season for you? Oh, let's see. Um, like I said, for me, I rewatched it last night, and I was actually shocked how fast it went. It did. Number one. I mean, it's like I started with the first episode of season three, and by the time that I finished the Skeletor piece, because I was I was doing like my finalizing on that last right. night. By the time that was done, and I was ready to go to bed, I just finished the last episode, and I'm like, "Holy crap, right. that was quick!" Um, I I really liked that we got to have a bit of. We didn't get into the whole mystery of uh, Eldris and Tila, but there was enough of a like a there was enough of a, a, a feeling that that storyline now has kind of connected, and we can move from there yeah. into you know something else. And, and there is that feeling of I think they went the clone route. I, I I really do feel like they gave well, us they did. what they we didn't. never got. So they, yeah, we totally called it. We yeah, we did called it where they you know <laughs> they did not. That's the only thing they didn't go into the specifics of what happened to Eldris that night. What mm-hmm. made Tila? Um, me personally, I've been thinking about it a bit, and I kind of think it's a uh, like a phoenix type thing where. Every so often, or you know, when when the user gets injured beyond a certain point, like she creates, you know, the new keeper of Grayskull is born from her mm. type of thing. You know, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. Um, but because of what happened with Keldor, obviously Tila was sent out into the world, and she wasn't able to. To remerge properly, but we did see that. I mean, Elder said, "You're a part of me." They remerge. Mm-hmm. It's fully Tila, but now she has all the memories of Eldris, and it's mm-hmm. like okay. So that's what made me go. It's a little bit even a step further. They obviously went the mini comic route in that basic origin, yeah. but they took it a step further where they're like, "Well, what if this is just kind of natural progression? Like this is how we keep getting guardians? Is this mm-hmm. you know?" This I enjoyed that. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see where they go with her from here. Because I, th- I think it is a point that they didn't dive deep into it. You know, Tila's just like, well, I know now. But mm-hmm. she never shares that, what it is with us. And I mm-hmm. don't think we're done there. No, I don't think we are either. No, um, no there's, there's a lot of... Uh, like, uh, you even do... Um, 
Revelation did Savage He-Man yep. for an episode. And in this one we get Havoc He-Man. Yes. And I when when they went there in my head, I automatically just went to like almost anti-attorney He-Man the way that I view him. A little bit. Because yeah. of how the corruption is. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, this is like legitimately Adam knowing how powerful he is and just enjoying himself doing it rather yep. than it being in the service of others, which is how he's been playing it for the last couple of seasons. And, and it took me by surprise, but then I was like, no, this works. This, this is that feeling of if a teenager got corrupted and he had the body of, you know, like a yep. god, basically, he would be this guy. Right. And it, it, it was, it was silly, but it also was like, how many times did you do stupid crap when you were a teenager that you look back and go, oh god, I hope I don't remember that. <laughs> and that was kind of how this moment was, and it amused me. <laughs> well, and it was very much to me it was right off filmation, the episode The Search, which we've also reviewed on here, mm-hmm. you know, where He-Man's tempted by the power of the star seed. And yeah. it's not even attempted like, I can take over the universe. It's like, with this power, I could destroy all the evil in the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of where I, where they went with him. It's not even that he's necessarily, he's not being bad. He's not even like, you know, uh, Red K Clark from Smallville. Like, yeah. he's just like, it's making him realize, like, no, I have the power to do anything I want. So if I want to go over there and obliterate Skeletor, I can. You know, mm-hmm. and that's, it's like, it's that, it's that twisted desire, which is a mm-hmm. very... I mean, it's so easy to just go the, this makes him evil, you know, but mm-hmm. this this worked out very nicely with, like, no, it just it's taking all his goals, but it's making him do them in an unseemly way. And yeah. Which we come to find out is... was the flaw of King Grayskull, you know, and I loved... How they handled King Grayskull in this series. They did not make him a clone of He-Man. They yeah. very much made him his own character. He had his flaws. He had his mistakes. You know. Um, and the reveal that he was like, quote unquote, the first Skeletor. As well mm-hmm. as the first He-Man, if you want to look at it that way. Like that. Yeah. That was such an interesting twist. And it works so well to me, you know, and it explains Mm -hmm. they explain the two weapons from way back in the beginning of the series where, you know, the mace was what he used to channel Havoc and the sword was what he used to channel the gray skull, the gold and he couldn't wield both at the same time he got corrupted by Havoc you know, he got betrayed by Eldris, like all this it's all stuff that has kind of been in the mythos, you know, here and there. You know, they took King Grayskull. They took the betrayal of um, Soren from Eternity War, but they gave mm-hmm. it to Eldris this time. And, like, mm-hmm. that's what I love about this show. They can take all these little bits and pieces and turn it yes. into something, you know, with a really good message, but it keeps you on your toes. And it's like... For all of the good King Grayskull did, you know, defeating mm-hmm. the Snake Men, uniting Eternia, all that's amazing. 
but he was also one of those guys who's like, I'm going to do anything at any cost, and that was his downfall, you know? Mm -hmm. And it goes back to what I've been saying for years at this point, just on this show alone, where it's like, that's why Adam's different. When Adam gets the havoc, he eventually comes to his senses and realizes this is not the way. Like, I Mm -hmm. can't do this at any cost, you know, and that's what, that humanity is what saves him. That's why he's the He-Man, you know, and why no one else has picked up the sword in between there. Like, he's the guy that they've been waiting for. Exactly, and uh, also, uh, props, they had Alan Oppenheimer playing uh, King Grayskull, so then you also got a nod of him being Skeletor in that moment, and he gets corrupted. So, like, the first time I saw that scene, and all of a sudden I hear that voice, I'm like, oh, they went there. They did it. Like, uh, you know, it's like, those bastards, they did it. You know, it just got, it got yeah. I'm like, well, that's just awesome. They managed to get that. And then there's, from this, from the Grayskull thing, there's, there are, besides the Alan Hoppenheimer part, there's two other things that I wanted to bring up real quick. One of which is, um, we find out that the sort of power is not meant to take life, which I thought was really cool. It's, it's all about the, I mean, not to, not to turn it into Shira's thing, but it is a protection. Right. It's a, it's, it's about protecting those who can't protect themselves. Right. You know, you are the hero defending those who can't defend themselves using that weapon. And, I kind of dug that, although I did get Shades of Thundercats with that as well, because I remember the Exodus part one and part yeah. two of that. He tries to kill the deer, and then the sword won't let him kill the deer because it's a right. living creature, and the sword doesn't want to kill and all that. Which, I, it's like, okay, there's a little bit of that, but there's like, this feels a little different than that in a different way, uh, well, the way they handled it. And what was Keldor's quote way back in season one? When we see him in Grayskull with with the young Adam, it's like, I'll take the mace because that's that's a leader's weapon. Whereas that's the sword leader, yeah. is in service, you know, knights it's carry swords and the they're king. in service yeah. of others. Like yeah. and it's like just it looping back to that exactly. is like, exactly. you know, and that's that's the two paths, you know. Yeah, and they even find out that Grayskull and Havoc are not. They're not opposing magics. They are how they they put it like like two ends to the same power. Mm-hmm. Like two sides, same coin is the right. way I the yin yang yeah. type the of thing. Yang, yeah, where it's yes. like no, it just it's it's light. You know, it's light side, dark side. It's all of that. But it, that's mm-hmm. you know, it, it it worked out great in this. I mean, in there. That's the thing. There's a lot of ways they could have done this, like with the same concepts where I've been rolling my eyes, like, oh, they just turned it into Star Wars. But this mm-hmm. didn't feel like it. It's like same, similar yeah. concepts, but it felt like it worked in this universe the way they did it. Oh, I, I've been a, ever since they, they did that in season one with Skeletor has havoc power, yeah. He-Man has the power of Grayskull. The minute they went there, I think that is probably what's completely solidified why this show is working for me. Right. Because 
it always did feel really lopsided with the with the mythology. He Man has all of the power of the universe yep. to fight Skeletor, and Skeletor is always having his schemes typically to come up with how am I going to best He Man get into Grayskull. And in this one, it's like I love that it is there is a power source. He powers up his own version of his evil masters, yep. and then He Man has the his good masters that he's given the power to. And for me, I'm like. All of that worked for me on every level yep. that they wanted it to, and I just ate that stuff up like crazy. And then the the second part I was going to say involving the King Grayskull stuff is King Grayskull and the legacy left there and how Randor views how the power is used on Eternia and right. who should not have that power and who should have that power and all that stuff. I love that he becomes the Jiminy Cricket kind of to Adam in this where he is that or, or maybe not Jiminy Cricket but he he's like he's like a Jaga kind of character now versus going to the Thundercast reference against versus like in filmation he was always just yeah. kind of there and he in 2000X they never got enough episodes to get him to the point of where I think they were planning to we nice. did have a little bit of revelation with that time but this one I really love that he got to play a parent and he never once flinched that his son is wielding the most powerful oh, he power of the universe. He flinched. Well, but I mean, he, he will go the, there though and at least speak his mind and help well, and at least try to make it that Adam is aware. Here's right. my concerns of you doing this or, or whatever, you know, as they've built that relationship. Okay. Right. And it's, and it's for Randor, it's a life time longer since the time of King Grayskull, right? It's been the evening. Yeah. We're not touching this stuff. Havoc or yep. Grayskull, we're not touching it. It's off limits. Yeah. And this is where we find out why this is such a big deal. With Grayskull, mm-hmm. you know, turning to the dark side, turning on his own mm-hmm. people, you know. And so Randor's got a buck, like, what, thousand years of tradition? You know, and that's why he's freaked yep. out when Adam sh- first shows up, but he overcomes it. And yes, he's getting to a place where he's going to be the mentor, the Professor X, the Jaga, to this yeah. team of young heroes and trying to help them. But at the same time, he's gotta, he's gotta come to terms with like, alright, these rules were in a place for a purpose, but we're entering into a new era here. These are, yep. you know, we, we, we've hopefully solved the problems of old and now we're going to something better, you know. He's seen that there mm-hmm. is a way to use this for good, which even King Grayskull fell to the temptation. One of the things I really liked, because I had a problem with that first, was, you know, we meet Merman, which is awesome, looks great, the voice wonderfully. Um, but when he's like super loyal to King Grayskull, I'm like, Because we already had it with Webstore and Miss Kitara, where, like, they traditionally villainish characters, you know, came to the side of good. Even though I like Webstore, especially, I think Shine, he didn't have a huge thing anywhere, but, like, he's just one of those fun little characters. I still want to talk yeah. He looks cool. But anyways, yeah. I'm like, oh, here we go again. But really, once the season plays out and you're looking back on it, it's like, 
well, wait, but he started as Lord of the King Grayskull, which is fine. Like, King Grayskull, you know, merged all the kingdoms. He was that uniter, yeah. that early mini-comic trend of uniting. He did that. Mm-hmm. But, like, Merman was loyal to King Grayskull up to the end and won his return. Like, literally, he won him resurrected from his tomb. But at that point, King Grayskull had succumbed. So, really, Merman was loyal to the demon... Grayskull. Yeah. Which, like, made it all right for me. I'm like, alright! Like, I see what you did there. So actually it was Mm -hmm. like, the first Skeletor had Merman. You know? Again, they love throwing it back to the old mini-comic storylines. Where, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd love to see more, I'd love to see that, like, actually dove into, like, hey, why don't we have a He-Man and the Masters of the Universe comic series? Where we see, like, the fall of Grayskull. And think about it. They do King Grayskull, like, after he gets corrupted and becomes that skull demon. Like, and then he mm-hmm. takes Merman. And maybe somebody, some beast guy from the jungle tribe. And, like, yeah. goes off and does his own thing. And we have to see Eldris as yeah. a sorceress trying to stop him and mm-hmm. take him down. And, and you know, like, would open, <laughs> it, it would be great to open the door to, like, I feel like this series embraces stuff that the fans yep. in the normal continuity, or if you go to like the classics bios, yeah. people really bristled with some of those things where all of a sudden there's a He-Man in every generation. There are so many people that hate that where right. I'm a little like, all right, Vikor's there. Cool. You know, Wondar's there. Cool. But um, just the idea, you know, there could have been a Vikor that had to go head to head against Grayskull then. Right. That that Eldris looked at as I need a champion. Well, she's going. To, I need she this take down Grayskull on her own. Exactly. So we're gonna and have so, to go search the jungle, find exactly. some buff dude from a tribe. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. They, they, <laughs> this the the beauty of this show for me yeah. at least, and and we have somebody who wrote in as well that I I, I can't wait to get to that now that we're talking about this in particular. There is this kind of feeling with the way that the history and the mythology of this works, where I almost feel like if you peel back one or two layers, yeah. it's going to have your true blue mythology that we love yeah, in there. It's all there. For the people who don't like the new looks or whatever, it's like, I think it's in there. I think it's actually, that's the seed of this. It has grown into something different for a new generation. But all of those elements are still binding it they to are. what we love. For all the people that want to sit there and go, oh, it's He-Man in name only. It's like, tell me you didn't watch CGI without telling me you didn't watch CGI. Because all the <laughs> themes, all the stories, like, it's all there. Yes, yeah. they updated the looks. Yes, it's set in a different time period. Yes, there's some more female characters. But, like... It's He-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, if anything, it, like I said, it throws back some even more old school no- notions than anything mm-hmm. else has since. Yeah, and I love it for that reason. And, 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 and I still like that one of the recurring themes in both of the series that they introduce is the idea of the hero uses the power yep. in the defense of those who need his help. Yep. And then he gives it away. Adam actually, like, 
that was the moment when when uh, there's there's a moment at the end of the season, and I, I know it, we're, we've already been talking some spoilers, so it, you know, hey, oh, yeah. it is what Spoiler it is. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> but there is this moment where each master, yep. like, finds within themselves the the spirit and the essence of Grayskull, even though the power sword is gone. Yep. And each of them is reclaiming what makes them special to have that right. power. And the one that I was most interested with, because everybody else pretty much was pegged easily with this moment, I was like, what are they going to have Adam say here? Since yeah. he's the last one. And his thing, which I was like, huh, is he says, giving the power away was probably the best thing that I could have ever done. And right. I'm like... Holy crap! Like they have really cemented that as this is something that matters as a hero. In this story, he gave it away to the people so that they can all be able to yep. fight the forces against them. But even in in Revelation, they did it where it's like he uses it in service of others and then he gives it back again, and that's what makes him the real hero. He doesn't need it past when the danger or the emergency arises. Right. And, like, I'm actually getting goosebumps thinking about that. It's like, yeah, that's part of what is so essential about that character. And they nailed this character this season. Yep. They nailed him pretty much every season for me. But the, this show and 2000X for me are the, the closest to this is why Adam is not pointless in the mythology, even though I've never been a huge Adam He-Man guy. I still love that barbarian version, but... Filmation always sold me with the goddamn by the right. power of Grayskull moment. So it's like, okay, why is Adam important? I never could figure that out. These series made me go, that is it. Okay, that is what it's about. Absolutely. Um, it's that little guy inside Steve Rogers after he gets the super soldier serum. Yeah. You can still tell that guy is still there, and that's what this is doing for Adam, and it works in spades. However, he wasn't a virgin, so there's that. That's, well, Captain America. No! <laughs> Alright. Uh, let's mix it up a little bit here. I don't think we're done, but let, let's throw it over to the listeners right now. Let's, uh, let's see what they have to say. Uh, right. so right off the bat, we'll go with, uh, good old Tony Moore, Simba's guard over on the org forums. He writes. Alright. Dear Matt and Sean. I just finished watching season three of the CGI He-Man the Masters of the Universe on Saturday, August 20th, 2022. Man, we waited like a month to get this episode out. <laughs> uh, the first We've been thing. Busy. Yeah. Well, I didn't even get, to, I think it took me like two weeks just to find the time to sit down and that, watch it. Like, I, I could not get to it that first week at all. Your life has been uh, the Willie Nelson song on the road again uh, up until that point. So, yeah, I I get it. (laughs) The the first thing I want to do is congratulate you two on calling it that Tila was a clone of Eldris all the way back in Season 1. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, There were so many high points that I can't name them all. Overall, I like that while there were plenty of funny moments, there was no full-on comedy episodes. Every episode was actually very serious. Although with the entire planet being overrun by zombie snake men, the situation is dire indeed. Oh, he's got a bit here. Alright, strap in. Uh, I'm in. High points. Crass was redeemed. 
Uh, Alan Oppenheimer voicing King Grayskull was the best. His changing his voice from regal and heroic Falcor-like to iconic Skeletor when he became corrupted by Havoc was awesome. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the comparison I am about to make is not meant as a slam to Masters of the Universe Revelation, as I know the CGI show has the benefit of hindsight. I, I have not read this beforehand, but Tony, I think you're about to get into some stuff that I was holding till the end. So I think... Ah. Uh, the fact is, I felt the CGI show dealt with the corrupt He-Man plot way better than Revelation did. I thought they were doing the Skelly God plot again, and I guess you could say they did. But visually, I'd say he was more of a Skelly demon, plus this time we saw the heroes fight the powered-up Skeletor. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'm going to stop there right quick, because that is a big thing. I, I really liked what they did with Skeletor powering him up here. I feel the same way. It's not a slam against Revelation, and Sean and I have kind of already had this talk. It's like, I, I'm i not trying to make this sound like a slam on Revelation either, but like I like the way they handled Skeletor getting the power, getting powered up without being so omnipotent godlike. Like, it felt, you know, with all the stuff in Revelation that Skeletor and Evil Link could do when they had the power, it's like, how do you even fight this? Like, the only reason we're even having a chance is because they're making stupid mistakes or they're playing cat and mouse. Whereas in CGI, like, this was all happening, like, boom, boom, boom. Skeletor's getting these crazy new demonic forms, like, oozing all this power, but, like, not knowing what to do with it. Like, I liked that. It felt very realistic, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say. Yeah, I I loved like I I once Skeletor did Skele God in Revelation, I I just was like this is not interesting to me anymore. When it when you get it on the same level of Skeletor and He Man, that works. When you start overpowering Skeletor further than how the movie did originally, right. suddenly you like you said it, it's too omnipotent. And then it's right. like, what's He-Man supposed to do? How do he handle this? How is it he can't just go like this and like Thanos and just right. wipe out whatever he wants done? Same with Evil Lynch. She wiped out heaven and all this crap. Right. It's like, it's too much. And it's, it's, it, the way they did it here, it just felt like right. it was a progression. And he being Skeletor in this, he had his checklist. Right. And he just went for the next thing on his list once he got his corporeal yep. form back. And I love that it, it literally felt like, how are you going to fight this? And it's it's that whole Avengers thing. It's like together, you know, Avengers yep. assemble, go do it. And and uh, the other thing, too, I wanted to just bring up real quick that I thought was hysterical but awesome at the same time is... Uh, when Skeletor turned into Skeledemon or Skeledragon or whatever you want yeah. to call him, the fact that when he rose up and he actually took Grayskull, the facade of Grayskull yeah. as his face now, yes. number one, blew my mind that they did that. Yep. I never thought I'd see the day they went there, which that was amazing in, in like a how many parents thought that should have been Skeletor's home to begin with when we yeah. were kids. And then on top of it, it made me think of the the, the cursed dragon in Onward at the end, which only oh, made me even more pumped 
because that is such a great moment in that movie. And I'm like, oh, you're getting me in all the oh, yeah. with it's this. great this visual. Good. <laughs> all right, back to Tony. Uh, yeah. I got a kick out of all the filmation references Rampage made when she was asking He-Man what was behind her when they were trying to get to Grey Skull's tomb. I forgot about that. She's like, Manicor. Dragoon? uh, Dragoon, (laughs) yeah. There was a whole list, all filmation uh, monsters and creatures. Uh, They didn't give it a name, but there were at least a few episodes where He-Man's fist lit up before he punched something. I thought it was obviously this show's version of the Thunder Punch. Yes, agreed. Uh, I also got a big kick out of Orko turning the Masters into the Revelation counterparts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was that was a fun look. That one did get <laughs> spoiled for me because I, I had to wait like a week and I did see that screenshot beforehand. But, yeah. But it was still a fun I, like, moment. feel a little two-dimensional. <laughs> a little flat. A little flat, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, not that it came as a shock, but Castle Grayskull did have a bathroom. As the yeah, uh, throne the is there. one of the only things still intact amidst the wreckage. Mm-hmm. I love that That's too, right. that little button at the end where Crash just sits down on the toilet. Like, yep. not, not using it, guys, but like just. No, no. It's just like because of that running gag, like, yep. I still haven't found the bathroom. And then when everything's in rubble, it's like, oh, there, there it is. There it is. Yeah, I just like that they paid that off. Like, it's not yes. even that funny of a joke, Agreed. but it's like, you guys, like, you. You committed to it, like yeah. And that's yeah. what we always say about this. Like sometimes you just have to lean into it, like just commit to it, and that's the best part. Absolutely. Um, as always, what I love the most about this show is Cringer. He always has the best moments. I oh, love yeah. that he is Randor and Adam's chauffeur. The fact that he learned to pilot something other than the Wind Raider is awesome. The way Battle Cat stepped in and told He-Man enough cub when things were about to get intense between He-Man and King Randor had such an emotional punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love how King Randor and Cringer have bonded over being Adam's father. The talk Battle Cat had with Randor when He-Man leaped away was just beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and probably my favorite moment was when Battle Cat was rushing to help He-Man and Crash against Skeletor, only to lose powers mid-charge, only to be mildly annoyed and keep charging. It's nothing new for his character, but if someone were to ask me why I love Cringer so much, this scene does a good job of saying it all. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I I was I, I was getting emotional in that Randor-Cringer scene, where it's like, you know, we kind of talked about it on this show, but, you know, the show also hits you with that at moments where it's like, we're kind of, you know, back in season one, we're like, yeah, you know, Cringer's kind of like the, you know, the adoptive father. And then, like, but then you get here, and it's like actually having them, like, sit down and have a discussion about him where, you know, Randor's like, yeah. hey, dude, like, what happened with my son all those years? Like, you know, dad, stepdad, you know, but they're. Bond. I don't know. It just it gets you into yeah. all the feels. Like it just—it's not something you expect from a show like this or with these mm-hmm. characters. But it's like it works so well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, like I—I I have never watched a He-Man show in my life until this, where I said my favorite character of the entire series is Cringer, and yeah. that was so telling for me watching 
watching every season, like there there is something about him in every single season that truly makes me go like, oh my god! Like he, I, I think, I think it, there's almost this feeling, and maybe that's why it resonates with me now. It it, it has that vibe of like he 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 kept this kid and this idea near and dear to his heart the same way the fans did all this time there is that feeling of like you know the fans are the reason this is still moving forward for a new generation yeah and there is that feeling almost like it feels like me sitting down and letting my son watch this show with me i feel like i'm cringer to the atom on this show where I, 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 that was the thing. Like, I know everybody loves the scaredy cat Gringer. This one just so that the way they yeah. turned all of that on its head, the fact that the, the name Gringer is supposed to be meant as a negative and he embraces yeah. it, the filed teeth, the lack of claws, yep. everything. It's like he has so much stacked against him and yet he will protect those, those cubs yep. and the masters now as a team. And, oh my god, I, I could go for hours talking about how much I love this, the, the character on this yeah. show, but the, the, those moments between him and Randor, and the fact that even last season you had Randor riding Battlecat at the back, it's like, these are moments that are so iconic yep. that this show is just pulling off effortless, effortlessly, if I could, I can't say the word effortlessly, <laughs> but, you know, it, they're pulling it off in, in such a great way. And those heart to heart moments within the, with the characters in general uh, this season, I really, really dug. They they never ever felt um, lightweight. Even the moment like when when um, Eldris goes away, right. but then Teal is still there, and Duncan goes, "I didn't even get to say goodbye to her and all that." Now I was like, and then he even wipes away a tear in that moment. Yeah. It's like there's some really great. They're not huge, bombastic emotional moments. They're so nicely done mm-hmm. in the way they handle this stuff. Absolutely. All right, almost there. I can see an end. Uh, just, okay. Just kidding, Tony. We love you. And uh, this is kind of why I want to <laughs> jump here because I think I think I think all these guys will kind of help us steer any stuff we might have missed or what sure. we haven't gotten to yet. As for the surprise twists, dun dun dun. I suspected that Evelyn might have a connection to the Horde when she wondered why Havoc made her manifest a uh, connection to bats. I yeah. should have suspected something when she first used the Wings of Horikos spell. I never would have imagined that Evelyn was Hordak's daughter. Mm-hmm. That... When they first did the wings of you know wings of Horakoth and the bath comes out, I'm just like, hey, cool nod to the Eternity War comics. Yeah, you know, nice little Easter egg. That's how you do it, you know. You know, and I thought nothing else of it. When Evelyn says, you know, I forget which episode it was, but her and Teela are kind of having a heart to heart. And they're kind of talking about the power and, you know, getting to that point where it's like it shows you what's inside of you. And Evelyn's like, no, it doesn't. I don't even like bats. Yeah. And it's like yeah. I should have I should have suspected something. And that was my moment after getting to the end in that tag scene. And I'm like, 
Matt, you're so stupid. How did you miss it? Like, well, you know, they're... You know, I mean, like, it's one of those things looking back when he's, you know, when they show Hordak and he confronts evil yeah. and he's like, you know, my daughter. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. duh, that's why, that's why not only has she been tied in, but that line was the same kind of thing. Like, oh, I don't, I don't even like bats. What's that got to do with anything? And it's like, no, mm-hmm. again, the power is showing you what's inside of you. Um, and yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm really curious to see where they go with this connection. I'm... I, I I I don't hate it. I don't hate it at no. all. I don't either. I, I I did look at that though as because Skeletor forced that on them. Yeah. That it was just something that then is a development of that power being thrust on her versus it being accepted. But yeah, when they when they went there and all that stuff, and now it's like. It, there right. is that whole like in the in the original line we had the snakes representing one thing the bat represents one thing Zor represents this and yeah. it's like the, the symbolism is a little wonky because they were making it up as they went along right. and this one I feel like they're they're really making it into yeah, okay have- this represents this we're going to hint at that. You might not know it's all about that until this payoff. Right. And the, the other thing I want to say really quick about that moment that we're talking about, especially the Hordak, was I actually had to look up last night who did the voice for Hordak because oh, you didn't pay to attention him, to the credits. I no, purposely I watched the credits. Yeah. Uh, I and and I'm listening to it and I'm like, I know that voice. And then when I see who it is, and it is... Would you like me to read for for a minute here? Go for it. While I I also feel Kevin Conroy was miscast as Merman on Revelation, I think he makes the perfect Hordak. Agreed. Yes. Yes. No, we said that during our Revelation talk, that, like, that was the one big miss... Of the Revelation voice cast for me. Not that they used Kevin, but that they used him as Merman without any... You know? Yeah. So. Uh, finishing up here. I have no idea what Skelly Beast, as they now call him, will do with the Havoc Staff. Wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. Keldor sitting in the dungeon. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duncan did mention the Andrenids. So we got yeah. we got Buzz off potentially. He he can exist. Uh, and I also have one grasping at straws theory. The horde is obviously on its way. Maybe Dilinxes are a species native to Etheria or wherever in Despondos legally permits the horde to launch their evasion from. Perhaps when the invasion starts, one will find its way to Eternia. It will somehow meet up with and be befriended by an escaped Keldor, who then upon becomes Skeletor again, will also empower his dialings to become Panthor. Tony, you have been wanting a real-life Panthor in here (laughs) ever since the beginning, and I hope this happens just for you. Me personally, I'm I'm fine with Panthor as we've seen him as the, the magic spell and as the motorcycle, like, I don't personally have any need for a Panther, but you want him so much. I want him in there for you. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, I, I will say I don't feel that there is a lack of Panther. Right. In my opinion, like, like, uh, 
I, I, and honestly, like that would be a character, and I will say character since they did Cringer. Yep. That is a character where I'm just like, I don't really need to see like an evil version of Cringer right. all the time working with Skeletor. That's just me. It, it feels a little too on the nose. Yeah. Even though I know it was on the nose with the way they had the equivalences, uh, within the groups. But I kind of dig that, you know, Cringer is just Cringer doing his thing and being, uh, uh, you know, a mentor slash father figure to Adam on the battlefield, and, a, a, in that way. And so. honestly, I kind of like I kind of like the the running joke of like that's that's a sore spot for Skeletor. Yeah, where the, the jealousy? <laughs> like, why I want a battle cat? Well, why don't you get me a battle cat? Like, but you know. that's the, the but it could be a nice deal. payoff too for him to actually yes. get something eventually. So that's what I'm saying and for the, Tony. Yeah. I want a Panther. But. Yeah, and and you know what, uh, Tony has been so good at the emails and really yes. putting thought into what he responds to us with that it's like absolutely right. it, it, you deserve this, Mattel. Give the man his panther. Absolutely. <laughs> On a completely unrelated note, would you consider remastering the filmation episode a beastly sideshow? As always, oh. thank you for your time. Sincerely, Tony Simba's guard. More. Uh, we have not been asked for a remastering in a while, so I mean, we kind of got to, right? Yeah. So yeah. Well, now, I mean, we can't give them Panther. We'll get, we can do this. We'll get you so a beastly you sideshow. But if it's the episode I'm thinking of, I actually really like that episode. So this will be an interesting. Uh, Interesting remastering for me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one with uh, uh, the circus and yep. Pretty Kitty. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes, Tony, keep on the lookout. We will get to remastering the Beastly Side Show. And thank you for Yeah, we're rusty. We are. We're rusty with our remastering. So we're we got, we got to actually... Everything. We got to get back on a schedule here. We'll, I'm... I'm we'll old. I need to. I need to like do stretches and stuff before I can remaster it. At this point because it's been so long. Oh boy, I'm not as spry as I used to be. But no, yeah, no. no, like I, I've been wanting to do some remasterings because uh, yeah. I know we have been lacking for quite a while. Yep, we'll get to that. Uh, Sean, you put out a post. What you got? Ahmed Mac responded and he said, "I'm enjoying it. I like the difference and how they brought all new ways of telling some of the story." Which, obviously, we are right there with you on that one. And then the other one was from Jacob Hicks. Any luck finding any figures been dry in my area? Oh, um, I did finally see the uh, Massiverse Wave with New Eternia, He-Man and Skeletor, the classic Tila, and the old man Merman. Um, That's all I've seen new for Masterverse. Origins, uh, Rotan started popping up at a couple of the local Walmarts. And, um, and then for CGI, the Talon Fighter. I think that's it as far as new stuff. It has, it has been really dry. It's been very much the same figures, or even no figures, and the stores that have sold out. Like, they just had nothing. Um, but I, it, it just, it kind of feels like we're about to get a surge. 
Um, I know Walmart did the reset. They got tagged for Snout Spout and Leech for the Deluxe Origins. I haven't seen them in store yet. Um, but yeah, and then you see people talking about they're starting to get Master Bruce, She-Ra, and Hordak. So I think the dam's about yeah. to break. It has been... It's been dry. It's been dry for all lines because I go up and down the toy aisles, and it's basically the same stuff hanging there week after week after week. Um, but I really feel like we're on the verge of about to get a lot of new stuff pushed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't go out that much right now due to just budgetary constraints. But I was out around my son's birthday a couple weeks ago, and. Uh, I, they didn't even have the new Attorney of Beast Man at our Target anymore. They did have King Grayskull. Yeah. Um, I have yet to see the He-Man or Skeletor for that one, but I have seen the 2000X He-Man and Skeletor in Origins. Uh, and oh, then really? our Target. Yeah, I haven't seen that at all. Yeah, I've seen them, and I, I know on the show I was saying I wanted to pick them up, but when I see those figures, I'm just like, but I have like, the horseman versions of those <laughs> still mint on card and right. I almost feel like you know like I, those still hold up to me 20 years later versus what I'm seeing Mattel put out right now I I I am going to be that guy that will never ever get into that line the way that some of the fans have and right. I, I'm just gonna I'm always going to be the guy going I'm so happy everybody who loves them loves them but when I look at those figures, I'm just like, I'll wait until something more detailed and more, or, you know, all that. It's right. just not my cake, not my cup of tea or whatever. But um, I did see for the CGI line, then I, I saw the Talon Fighter the other day, and I did see the uh, traditional colored sorceress with the Zor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. uh, Deluxe that they have, but yeah, I have yet to see... I haven't seen Beastman. I no, haven't seen. Uh, they had a like a deluxe He Man that looks like he's in like, yep. King Grayskull's armor. Yep. None of that. I, nope. I have yet to see any of those anywhere. I never saw Evelyn. Um, Evelyn never hit my area. I never did either. I, I've gotten everything that you can in my area. Right. I think for the and oh, and uh, the one thing that I did get uh, for my son's birthday was that. Playset with yeah. the Havoc Snake yep, I and the Throne too. for Skeletor, yep. and it was six bucks at Walmart. Yep. You knocked down from thirty, yep. and I put it down at like a, I think it was like a week ago. Now uh, I was like, "Hey, Hayden, we forgot to get you this one thing. Like it, it's a yep. it's a present we forgot to give you." Hint, hint, wink, wink, and all that yep. stuff. And I I put it down in front of him, and he went crazy because he just loves that there's this giant snake he can eat whatever with and yep he's been he's brought out the seaman toys again he's getting into that again and he also has sonic fighting it and i'm like whatever works that's so cool and he and like it. for for like the whole week i love my new play set i'm like that's so freaking great you know that's what it's about so right. um but yeah that was that was a really fun little find at walmart that hey you know instead of 30 bucks a year ago six bucks you're walking out the door with the thing absolutely and it's fun it's the detail in it i love on the side of it with the throne that there's skulls all over i'm like that's pretty wicked like that i don't even remember that on the like the fright zone when when we were kids but here we have all these skulls just as a mountain of skulls and i'm like that's awesome. That's hardcore. Like, I love it. <laughs> no, I love that line. I, I'm picking up everything for the kids from that line. They, they're loving it too. 
So now we'll get into Bud Porter. All right. Because right, this is going to take... This will be the rest of the episode. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Bud Porter, I'm really enjoying the show. Now it feels like they hit their strong storytelling and don't have to rely as much on humor and modern kids' humor, which the first two seasons had leaned more on. It is a modern kids' TV show, so this is this was expected, and doesn't take away from the show much, but I am enjoying the more story-driven season, mm-hmm. even being a little darker in tone, which I agree. And that yep. the season three, it just went balls to the wall, in my opinion. Like that's it, it, like I said, I, I looked down and I started episode one. Yep. I looked up and episode eight was done, and it never once felt like it was it was a slog or anything the other night. Question one. Do you think there was a past version of Eternia that was more vintage-like, and what we are watching now is a future state of said Eternia, which we kind of talked about a little bit. Right, with King Grayskull kind of becoming the first Skeletor, he's got his merman, you've got Eldris against him, absolutely. You know, and obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't even get into the Orko episode, like, Orko was on Eternia, he left, you know, his... Uh, you know, a magic charm with his memories that in, infected, quote-unquote, the robot and made mm-hmm. Arco. So absolutely, like, all these guys are, you know, it's 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 Eternia, the next generation. Like, yeah. And, and I like that. Um, I really like that, that, like we said earlier in the episode, like, now you could even go back and tell these original stories and have them very much early mini-comic-esque and, you know, go from there. Absolutely. And and the thing that we've said from day one of talking about this series once it aired is this is the series that the spirit is alive and well within this show. And while, you know, like he was saying about the child's humor and all that stuff yeah. and the way it's set up, it's like, I agree to an extent, but I feel like this show did it sidestepped what shows like Teen Titans Go, right. Thundercats Roar and things. This actually set out trying to tell a cohesive mythology right. and this is like this is great for kids in that way too in my opinion. So I'm it. I'm really loving what they did. So uh he says I still have a theory that this Eternia is a future state of an Eternia where He Man and the Masters lived yep. through a vintage like era. Maybe a lot of the history was forgotten or just not talked about yet. Absolutely. Every time, yeah, and 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 like Randor being the the like keeper of that mythology in that way, and also uh, Cringer reading in the in the uh, castle library and everything, and and being that person, I think more will come of that if we get more season. Well, and I even every like, time they sh- sorry, real quick, I even um, I even I even like just the fact that they don't answer everything. And they don't fill in all the blanks. Like, so you are open to interpret it in your own way, where it's like, there is a gap here, and if you want to imagine that there was, you know, a He-Man, a Man-Arms, and a Tila running around in this, like, it, it fits. Whereas if they had taken a moment at the end to be like, oh no, here's everything that happened from the fall of King Grayskull till now... Like, okay, now there's no... You know what I mean? Like, I like yeah. leaving things open like that so we can fill in how we want to. Exactly. Uh, 
Uh, every time they show stuff of the past or ancient maps, you see what races kind of look like in the vintage style. <laughs> yeah. Avion race shown in season three. Yep. Uh, like just Orca like the old Great being in the past. Yeah. yeah. Merman being the last of his race and how he now lives slash lived in the Arctic and in a vehicle to keep it him safe and out of the cold. If this isn't true, I won't be mad. It's just a cool headcanon I've made. No, for Question sure. number two. Uh, do you think that if the rights... Oh, sorry. Do you think that if the rights gods are gracious, <laughs> we could ever get She-Ra in this show? And if so, how would you like her to be added in? I definitely think they can get She-Ra in this show. Um... I meant to go back and try and look through there, but I never did. Because I know we still, we have different recollections of what they've said about Marlena so far in this show. Mm-hmm. I think you were saying that you think they actually specified that she was dead. When we were talking about I No, I, I don't think, no, I don't think that she's dead, but there is yeah. this kind of vibe, like, she's just not there, right. and he mourns her like she's dead, well, but so, they never outwardly said so. So what I'm thinking is I'm thinking they're doing this intentionally with, you know, name-dropping Marlena, showing her in a picture, but again, not diving into her backstory, because I think that's actually how we're gonna f- we're gonna find out about Adora. Like I think sh- I think it I think it's pretty much gonna follow the origin that we're pretty much familiar with. You know, baby stolen, Adam's still here. But I think Marlena takes off trying to find her. Maybe Marlena even goes to Grayskull and makes a deal with Eldris, like help me find my daughter, and is never seen again. And. So then, like, again, that double down on Randor is like, no, we can't use Grayskull because, you know, we are, we were already foretold, you know, the, the ancient proclamation, we can't go to Grayskull. Now my wife went to Grayskull, she's gone, on top of my daughter being gone, and then a few years later he loses Adam and his brother, like, is it any wonder King Randor is a jerk when we first meet him? So I think, So I think that's, with Hordak coming back now, I think he's gonna still be the one who abducted or orchestrated the abduction. But I think the difference is Marlena took off trying to find her. And so when we loop back, we're gonna find Marlena, you know, as a rebel leader on Etheria. And Adora working for the Horde. And explore that whole dynamic that way. I... I mean, I'm open to however they do it, and I feel like the the more I try to think of how I want to see it done, the less I want to worry about how I want to see it done. Because <laughs> the show has given me yeah. things that I, I like. Like if somebody would have told me George Takai was going to play Merman, I would have yeah. been like, and then all of a sudden I hear him, and I'm like, oh, that is actually working. That's on all cylinders, just like Kevin Conroy, Hordak. Yep. I mean. We were talking about who's William Shatner going to be in Rev- or in Revolution. Like, yep. I don't care right now. Like, <laughs> I want to hear Kevin Conroy's Hordak for a whole like season now. He's awesome. Is it really? It, it had 
He's yeah, like a Dracula vibe that I really but. dug. Um, but I mean, honestly, if it goes Shira, yes. There's there's one thing about this season that makes me curious what they could do with that, and it's a really random thing. But they really made a point of Duncan saying, I'm a builder this season. He says yeah. it multiple times. Right. And when they have their come-to-Jesus moment, boom, he's the one busting that out as that's his inner strength. Right. That makes me almost wonder if they're going to bridge the gap and do a 2000X. And instead of it being He-Man's sword that Man-at-Arms creates because Skeletor gets the, the swords initially in the Four Horsemen's version right. of what what that was supposed to be initially, what if they need to make that for Adora to create the Sword of Protection and Tila powers it using the power of Grayskull and it's like you know her becoming the sorceress full on... Mm-hmm. And that being something she has to do now that Eldris and her are together as, as one individual again and all that. So it's like there is that part of me going, if they went there and they used that little snippet of that mythology, it'd be kind of fun. But I, I do want to see something happen with it. The, the, yeah. the couch having the pillow there has been there since season one. Yeah. And Marlena, what's going on with her? Right. I, I want to see what happens with that one way or another. I think it's all going to be tied together. I um, I agree with that. I agree. I think it's going to tie in with the Horde. Now, I would love for them to do a Man-at-Arms builds a door power sword. Great idea. Just throwing it out there. What if He-Man's sword splits into two halves and he gives one to Adora? I have no problem with that because <laughs> again, like this, there's like so much was, you can do. <laughs> no, but that—that's what I love about the show. And on top of it, we've seen how huge the sword gets depending what he's right. doing. And there could even be a moment like we had in the very end of the of this season where he gets the sword back finally and masters all your power on me, and all of a sudden the thing turns into a house, right? So we can cut off Skeletor's arm. And I'm just like, there's got to be a point where this thing just budges and breaks or something, because it keeps doing that each season, and you're just like, how big does this thing get? And maybe maybe it is a thing of the two of them are holding it together, or she's using it to do something, and he has it too, and then all of a sudden it just breaks into two, and she has one half, he has the other, and they just go to town or whatever. I don't know. Like I, this is one of the very few shows where I like having the hints of things to make me think maybe they could go here. Yeah. But I'm never going to tell them how to write it because I feel like there is no way I can even dictate yeah. what makes sense anymore. It is its own thing, right. and I want to just enjoy what they're doing with this and take me on the journey with them. No, but there's, um, there's plenty of ways to work her in there, and I think they will. So, so he ends the, the here is a headcanon theory that he goes with, and then this will be the end of his message. And and again, uh, Bud, thank you for this because this was an amazing response. I don't think I've ever gotten a response. And, I, and that's no uh, that's no slam on uh, Jason Torrance. I know he is usually a very loyal. Yeah, where stuff Jason at us. Ben? Come on, uh, Jason, Jason, wake Jason, up, Jason. He he must not have been mowing the grass much lately because I think that's when he said he usually listens to us and we haven't given him much lately. He's a busy but, man. Uh, okay, he is, and that's okay. Uh, this is a pretty much my synopsis for season four. So here we go. Here we uh, go. 
Here we go. My personal headcanon for her addition is the king and queen gave birth to twins as in the vintage era. The sorceress had a vision of Hordak becoming an ultimate power by having both swords of power and honor corrupting them using powerful tech. The sorceress went to the queen, warned her of this vision, and told her the only way to keep the power away from her is to separate the children, and the queen, not wanting to give up her child, decides to take her to a bright moon to keep her safe. Sure. The sorceress casts a spell on the king to make him and the kingdom forget about Adora, and he just thinks the queen died during childbirth. I think that's how she died on the show. Now that I don't remember, and I'd have to rewatch it again to double check or not. Yeah, I, th- I think everyone's I- speculating that, but I don't think it's ever actually been stated on the show. And I could be wrong about that. I did want to check it out, and I forgot about it till we got back into it. It's the way that it's talked about, but I right. still have that feeling. Like I don't think they'd go there. I feel like she's out there instead of just being dead. And I hope that that is not the case. To be honest. Hordak shows up after either failing to find the sword of, uh, of the sword of courage. I, I guess he means the sword of protection or the sword of I don't know, sword of power, yeah. or already has it. But they would have shown him with it. So I'm going with the first idea, and Hordak is going after He-Man for the power. Sure. The Queen and Adora find out, and they're either both come to help to stop Hordak, or Adora goes off on her own against the wishes of her mother to help her brother she has never met. I'm of the mind Adora is very headstrong and a good fighter, but this gets her into trouble and is what pushes her to jump in to fight. When the queen finds out where she has gone, she gets to the kingdom of Brightmoon to come with her to help fight, and we get a cool end battle with Eternia and Brightmoon versus the army of Hordak. Hordak will use his tech to take control of some of the would-be Skeletor henchmen, uh, Webstorm, Muscitara, maybe Ancestor was in the Horde, Triclops, etc. Which we didn't even talk about the fact that they have that woman standing in for Triclops yeah. this season. And they keep telling her, shut up, Jolene, or whatever. Justine. Is. Justine, yeah. thank yeah. you. Um, uh, the Sorcerer sends the heroes off to find an old ancient friend to help in the fight to restore some damage done by Hordak's first attack by finding Mossman. He seems like a druid in the show based off the toy, so maybe he has more magic-based skills. So thank you for that, bud. That is... He remastered season four before we even got to see season four. No, I like it. Did a a little parent trap on Adam and Adora there, you Mm -hmm. know, so... Definitely lots of stuff that could, could come true. Very plausible. Um... They actually, everyone forgets about it, and I still haven't actually read it, but I have it, but they, Mossman is in continuity on CGI already. He, yeah. they released the Scholastic book, uh, I think it was The Hunt for Mossman, The Search for Mossman, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and I have it, but I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I just keep forgetting ah. about it, but, but so he, and I, I did, I did skim through the first few pages when I got it, and it is explicitly in continuity. Um, you guys will understand if you read it, too. But so Mossman, yeah, Mossman is out there already. Um, I'm surprised that they haven't had him show up 
on the show itself yet. So that'll be kind of interesting with them doing the book origin for him um, mm-hmm. to see how he how he actually shows up. And they got the toy coming out. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, Lost Man would be cool, and then and then like Zodak. I kind of, I'm kind of curious what they'd even do with him, based on the fact that we have most of the main, well, we have all of the eight back characters for the Masters, other than him. Be a, we we still haven't gotten him yet. He'd be a tough one to do in this show. I'm not sure how you would. I here's here's one here's a simple way I feel like they could probably pull that off if they went there season four because. Number one, if you got the horde, the balance between good and evil is going to be a problem there. And on top of that, sorceress just getting united together again. Yeah. I feel like that would be almost like a checks and balance system for that. Maybe. Where he would want to show up and test her. Yeah. And, and then the fact that on top of that, if a door is involved, I almost feel like he'd be a go to for season four. And have him looking at the situation and seeing, okay, we have an untried sorceress when it comes to a battle that big. And then on top of that, you also have the daughter of the king and the queen who has been gone since her birth. How is this playing out in the balance of power here regarding the universe at that point? Yeah. You know, that could be kind of an interesting role. I guess because that was kind of my thing was like, so if you're going to do Zodak in that capacity when He-Man's infected with the Havoc, like that's like Zodak's moment, right? Because it reminded me so much of the Starseed and everything. Um, But yeah, I like the idea of him being more, you know, even more above He-Man. Like, no, I have to, I have to, I have to guard the Guardian. Like you mm-hmm. know, putting him into that role—that could be real fun. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Hey, one one last thing, really quick, and then and then I think I've I've said everything I need to on season three. Uh, how much were you surprised that at the end of everything, Adam found a way, or He Man found a way to turn Skeletor back into Keldor again? So that he ended up yeah. in jail. No, that I was, like that. For me, I, I was like, damn, I didn't realize they could even pull that off of this. I thought he was stuck in Skeletor forever. No, yeah, so. I, I actually really liked that, and it fed in perfectly with the theme of the season, you know, about Adam doing the right thing, the just thing, no matter what, you know. Mm-hmm. Um because, I mean, really, we we saw it in those early episodes. Like, he made the choice to give himself over to the corruption. And we've seen Evil Inn and Trapjaw and every Like, everyone else has been switching back and forth pretty easily. So it didn't, it didn't feel as, like, come out of thin air. It was more just, like, Skeletor wouldn't have chosen to give up. Like, in his mind, he is Skeletor. When he dies... He's still Skeletor. Like, mm-hmm. that. that is the choice Keldor made in this series. He's the only yeah. one of the evil warriors with Havoc that actually made the choice. Everybody else he did as, like, an enslaving thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think it's the perfect punishment for him. Like, death is yeah. too easy for him. 
So, mm-hmm. no, I really like that. Um, so, season four. What classic character do you want to see them get in there most? Well, I mean, that's the thing. We we already have... I, first thought in my head... Just first off, uh, ironically, was actually Ram Man because okay. I would love to see a Ram Man, but I, I gotta actually go like in my heart. I want to see I want to see a Fisto show up finally. Yeah, I really want to see Fisto. I I think that would be great. Um, and, and and like the end of the season with the whole everybody deserves the power. It's like yeah. th- there's got to be other people out there now that it's like this is starting to be a thing. You know, like there are going to be people coming out of the woodwork, Cyclone maybe, or, you know, who knows? I mean, Roboto could be interesting in this se- series even. So, yeah. yeah, you know, they've been. But Fisto for me. Duncan, you know, I'm a builder, building. I'm a builder, I'm a builder. Yeah. Well, get to building yeah. a robot already, dude, and stop talking about it. So. Yeah, well, and, and that's the, like, there is a part of it. Like we saw this season there were stridors. Yeah, not just Stridor. We had Stri- I figure they're Stridor. Yeah, that's what that's what I've been calling them too. Exactly. So I, I'm like, okay, if if they're doing something like that, what if he made an army of Robotos this time instead of it just being Roboto? True. True. I mean, you're dealing with the Horde. You need an army. Maybe the Eternian army isn't enough, and they have to have an army of Robotos also in the mix. And yeah. that would work. And then Fisto on top of that. And yep. Yeah. I'm hoping we see a lot more. My Cyclone was mine, you kind of I knew you were going to say Cyclone. He needs to be <laughs> in there, dude. He was. He, he works. He is core, he, and he would work so well. Him and Mechanic, they would both work him really and well in this series. I agree. Um, I do agree. Make them young, make them like trainees. Absolutely. They would, mm-hmm. they would be awesome. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I, I would even, like, because of how this felt with, like, here's what Re- Revelation did, but we're doing our own spin on that. I kind of want Clamp Champ to show up just for the fact that <laughs> I don't want Fisto and Clamp Champ to be dead. Right. <laughs> so that'd be kind of nice. Oh, hey, CGI doesn't kill everybody off constantly. That's great. <laughs> so. Oh, good times. I will say, though, biggest disappointment of the season for me, or well, really for the series now, they never merge Tuvar and Badra. They teased us that? the whole way through. <laughs> and I thought for sure when Skeletor got like all powered yeah. up and he started like creating things and like upgrading Beastman, I'm like, Alright, yeah. Tuvar and Badra walk through the door and they get zapped and Yep. No? no. Really? Like I was sure yeah. it was gonna happen in that moment. See, I I actually I would enjoy if they finally did what I always viewed it to be when I was a kid, which was the minute the horde shows up, Skeletor and He Man are flat out. We're on the same side until this is done, right? And 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 you have that alliance, maybe doing the fact that Tuvar and Badra get wounded in the battle, and Skeletor does that to them, right? In order to keep them in the battle, but then it's like a you just screwed those guys up, but it's the whole. But they're they're back in the battle again. You know, it's like that whole thing of 
you know, he just right. brought all these zombie snake warriors back. Why not? Let's just do that to the Eternian army now or whatever. Um, I agree with you completely because that has, you know, not to, not to use like too many adult references, but I mean, if yeah. you're going to make somebody have a tease, I mean, geez, that, <laughs> that, when you, when you even say those words, Tuvar and Badra, there is that right. automatic, ooh, maybe this is the episode and it's nothing. The whole way. I mean, they showed up. The first time we went to the Royal Palace, what, like episode two, they were there. Episode one. Yeah. Was it even one yeah. when they got named? Uh, like, they, were, they were the ones that caught yeah. Tila, and she spun the one's helmet huh. around by accident. And I was like, I was like, oh, I bet later in the season they're going to do two back. No. Right. no. <laughs> we're going to make two. you wait no. for that, you know? Wait and, and then, wait for I it. mean, that's the other thing. It's like, okay, if they can't do the rights to the Horde and the way that they're kind of manipulating how this is working, where Web Store isn't even a bad guy and he's working with, like, that yeah. Stratos group and all that stuff, it's like, well, what are the chances of maybe, like, the Horde has Stinkor with it? Yeah. Or the Horde has uh, uh, Jitsu, or the yeah. Horde has Scareglow, or something. And it's like, holy crap, this could be an interesting fourth season if they start turning it like this. Yeah. And it, it, it's like, okay, are they going to do it? And then Skeletor co-ops some of these guys to his side, and then we get kind of like traditional with it? Or are they going to do it where, no, this is not traditional. They are just going to be those characters like two are in bad. Yep. So I, I love that I can't guess. Yeah. I love it. And and they made they made Beastman swear his loyalty like he's the only one to stick by Skeletor's side. Like oh mm-hmm. my god, this thing is just hitting so many of these points where it's like yeah, you know, Beastman and Vintage out of everybody, like he's the one who's not going to betray him. You know, Absolutely. Oh, we could go on and on about this. Yeah. about this season, about it's this great. show, about this series. So um, it. it- it makes me sad every time I hear people discounting it, and they and the thing that that makes me always bristle is somebody going, "That's the kids' show," and it's like, it's the kids' show because you haven't tried it. Right. That's all it is. Uh, on the other podcast, I'm on. I, I always hear that from a certain co-host, and every time he does that, I'm like, "Dude, you're you are missing out, and you just don't want to at yep. this point." And it makes me sad that you just won't even try. Yeah. Because you're missing it. This is really fun. The way it's, they're setting this thing it's, up. It's got it's and it's got it's got the heart of masters through and through. This Absolutely. Embodies the spirit. I mean, it's it's the the best iteration honoring the past since Mike Young Productions in my Absolutely. Opinion. Like Absolutely. And and that one was just a straight reboot. So right off the bat, like that one had some built-in things that were a lot easier to, you know. Yeah. But this yeah. this one really took a chance. It thought outside the box, and it's paying off in dividends for me. Like I said, I love not being able to guess what how everything's going to go or shake out. I like being surprised. It makes me feel like a kid again watching it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh. Great show. If you haven't watched it, check it out. Yes. Sean, take us into the weekend. All right. Well, if you like what we're doing here, uh, like, share, subscribe, ring that bell. And, hey, you know what? Leave comments on the videos. Leave leave comments when I do the posts for um, 
on our Facebook page, Legends of the Grey Skull Podcast on Facebook. Join us on there. Join in the discussion. As you saw, Bud Porter, man, that guy, yep. he gave us season four tonight. So you're more than willing to do that. Go for it. Um, also, really quick, uh, Patreon. Yes. Jesse, our third, our guest from time to time and also the, the third co-host of Offworld. He started his own Patreon as yep. of today. Go on Patreon if you enjoy what he's doing. Uh, he's got different tiers on there. Patreon.com, just shelve it, if I remember right. That's that's on there. And I did offer... Yeah, and I did offer, and I might extend this into next weekend even, if you go on there and you pledge at his $10 level, which is the bra level, which I don't know why he went with surfers, but whatever... Uh, I if, if you let me know that you did that, I will also do a thank you personal digital sketch of one character of your choosing as a thank you since he's my brother from another mother and he's a co-host that everybody seems to enjoy when he shows up here as well. Yeah, he's Matt's uh, brother from another mother now too. It's all, we've adopted he's, each other. He's my bro- brother in another bathtub holding the mail. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, let's see. Uh, also, also, uh, feel free to rate us on any of your podcast app. I haven't seen any new reviews or ratings on there, so it'd be kind of fun to read those in a future episode. And uh, until next time. Until next time, guys. Go watch CGI and Netflix. You will thank us. Oh, come on. Oh!